Hello and welcome back to the Life Unboxed podcast. Today I speak with my good friend Rob Ferriman, who is an education and mental health practitioner as well as an assistant psychologist about a number of topics. Why social media is harmful, why podcasts are in fact bad for you, and the problems with goal setting. This was a really interesting episode. It was great to have some expert insight on a lot of these issues that I think about a lot of the time. And Rob does a great job communicating and articulating some of the reasons why life can be quite tricky at times. Thank you once again for all the support and positivity I've had on the previous episodes of this podcast. If you do enjoy the content that I'm producing and the guests are producing with me, then please do drop a like, subscribe, follow, leave a five-star rating, whatever the, the medium you're listening on lets you do. It's really, really useful for me in terms of helping the podcast grow and getting more and more guests. So I'd really appreciate it if you can do that. If you haven't checked it out already, go and have a look on YouTube. This episode in particular, I put a bit more work into the production value and quite frankly, just a bit of editing quality into into this. So it's certainly not amazing, but it's, it's better than it was. So do have a look if you haven't checked it out already. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of the show. Rob, if you wouldn't mind, just give me a little bit of a a background on kind of what you do at the moment and the kind of pathway you took to to get to where you are. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm what's called an EMHP, so an education and mental health practitioner uh, in schools and I'm also an assistant psychologist so it's a split role Um, and that's basically just going into um, primary and secondary schools in a borough of West London uh, three or four times a week and doing what's called low intensity uh, CBT with kids Um, and I did psychology at the University of Bristol for a conversion master's because my original um degree was politics and philosophy at the university of exeter which i don't use at all in my day-to-day life now which is honestly mate i i had this conversation the other day the amount of people i know who study something at uni and then just did something completely different is it must be like 90 95 percent from the people i've spoken to it's just there's your person that's, that's uh, going to like law or something where you've obviously got to do that the whole way through but most people like i study politics and I now do a podcast so I mean how do we (laughs) I don't know how we get there but um yeah so thank you for that you sent me before the show uh a nice note of different topics we can discuss and actually the the first thing I'll touch on it's more just a comment than than a question but you said how you uh do was it low intensity CBT yeah and CBT is cognitive behavioral therapy right And I just, uh, like I say, it's more common than anything else, but I had some, when I had some therapy when I was at university, funnily enough, it was CBT. And I think I've spoken about it on the podcast before, but I found it such a, a, a beneficial and almost like transformational time in my life. It was something which helped me reframe a lot of things I was struggling with and just helped me change the perspective on them slightly. And it made me feel like I could attack them or actually take them on. Uh, whereas before it was just like a stone wall. So, you know, the work you're doing, I'm sure it's, it's having the same effect on 
on the kids you're doing it with so props to you it's a good Thank job you. yeah it's, it's an interesting kind of um way like you say to reframe things like the it's cognitive behavioral so it's kind of got two strands so you're looking at the way people view their situation um maybe reframing that making it a bit more accurate considering things in a different light and then putting it into practice as well so i always find that people assume that like therapy and especially something like cbt is all just is all just talking but that's actually very like practical quite hands-on and you know, I, I actually end up giving the kids like homework each week um, to kind of put into practice what they've learned in the session, in between the sessions to really kind of, yeah, hammer home the message and, and get them to change their mindset and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really interesting. And I, well, let's, let's start diving in because we've, we've got a, you've you've sent me this list, as I say, and I, <laughs> I haven't reordered anything, so let's just, I'm just going to read out really what you've written and we can just kind of have a chat about it. But you've written here, internalization of perception of success and perfectionism dash I can. And what, what do you mean by so, that? So yeah, that's actually a pretty like convoluted way of, I know it's unnecessary jargon, I think, but <laughs> I think what I'm trying to get out there is the whole, I think there's a bit of a drive in a lot of what we're told to um, kind of think and do to always be like efficient and to always be doing something which is beneficial. You know, like if you're on the tube, you can listen to like a podcast or you can do a crossword and there's this conception that you can do anything, which I think is actually having, I mean, it's obviously, it's great and it's, it's very empowering in a lot of ways, but I do think it's also a lot of pressure. Like you set, you chat to people at 16 and 17 who are making their like university choices and, and like we said actually at the, at the top is that you end up not using or quite a lot of people end up taking degrees they don't end up using and i think part of the reason of that is because there's just so much option out there there's so much choice so the perception of success that we've internalized is someone that's kind of always striving and always doing something productive and on my the note that i send you which is basically me just vomiting my thoughts in about the space of five minutes um it goes on to say about stuff like having time where you're not productive in the sense that you're not explicitly working on like a goal you know there's times for creativity and for i, I was trying to think of a word for it i guess that the best one that i can think of is like play which sounds weird for adults mm. but having that time where you are just you've let go of your really deeply held goal to run a sub 25 minute 5k or to do whatever and you're just kind of chilling and vibing and i think yeah i think i've, I've rambled on a little bit but that whole perception of success driven by i'm gonna gonna have a little pop-up podcast driven by you know there's there's ones where <laughs> you've got this inspirational guest speaker and an inspirational host and they're just kind of you know really getting into it about getting up at 5am and having an ice bath i think that is really great and like bits of that I do take and I think the discipline side of it is really um very like oh, what's the word it's very like admirable but I do think there needs to be a bit more of a balance in the way that we're shaping what success is for ourselves and, and for the young people that I speak to yeah I there's a lot to unpack there I think on your last point it's certainly something and yeah, you're right about podcasts. I, I listen to a fair few podcasts and it's all about kind of optimization and always filling your time with something productive and useful. And I think 
not only is that a counterproductive thing to say if you're trying to achieve something, because another word you've got in here is burnout. And I feel that anyone that really tries to, you know, it's, it's all good like getting up early, like you say, in ice bath. But if every moment of your day is spent thinking about what can I do to be the most productive or optimize, you know, trying to find tiny, tiny shortcuts to make your day more streamlined. I think to a point it's good, but the the danger is if you do that too much, it can it can cause some real problems. And I think one of them I'm thinking of and one that I guess I kind of have myself sometimes is putting stuff like sorting out the podcast and all the other things I'm trying to do above my own social life. And I think for a lot of people, let me get the word right, specifically in their early 20s, when you kind of have a bit of a, I don't know, not some kind of mental awakening, maybe that's a bit too dramatic, but you kind of look at your life and assess where you're at and think about where you want to go. So I think you can have a tendency to think about getting into these things like productivity and whatnot. But if you kind of move too far into that, you can actually end up impinging on the parts of your life that are actually the really important parts, in my opinion. And it is a difficult balance, I think, because it can go too far the other way as well. But for me, the bottom line is, so long as you're happy, and there's something you can only really judge yourself, because someone from the outside may look in and say, oh, you, you work too hard, or you, or you don't work hard enough. Maybe you've got family members saying, oh, you don't do enough work. I think if generally you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, oh, I'm happy with how things are, and I may be getting up at five o'clock, but I'm also spending enough time with with my family and my friends and, and doing stuff like play, whether it's, you know, going out on a night out or going to watch a football match with your friends, whatever it may be. I think if you can look at yourself and say, I think I'm getting it right. And it's different from person to person, but yeah, I, I think it's difficult to have a really objective metric of what is the right balance of optimizing and pushing yourself to achieve what you want to achieve and actually relaxing and, playing as you put it yeah and definitely like, I, I definitely think that's like striving and having goals is super important um i just do think that the narrative and may, maybe it's it's the kind of the the echo chamber or the what the algorithm thinks i want to see and things like instagram and that but um it does seem to me like there's these really dramatic clips of um just w- whatever it happens to be whether it's like a crazy gym like routine or someone running a stupid distance and a stupid time and 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 you're i don't know if it, i don't know how you feel about it but i sometimes like you st- you naturally end up comparing yourself to that and i just don't think it's a it's a fair comparison a lot of the time like these people have the resources that i don't and, and probably the drive that i don't to be to be perfectly honest but then when i'm setting a goal and then i see someone on instagram who's just completely rinsed my goal in terms of like an objective metric you're a bit like oh kind of take your, your productivity and your motivation takes a little bit of a hit which kind of defeats the point of it i think yeah i think and social media really needs its own hour day-long chat and maybe we'll dig into that a little bit later but i i completely agree with what you're saying and my thoughts on those type of videos because i get them too i guess the algorithm just throws them at people like us you you only see the best parts of people's lives on social media 
And even for these, like, let's just say, take a fitness influencer, someone that's, I don't know, running a sub 25 minute 5K or whatever, just something that's your goal and they're, they're smashing. Maybe they're running sub 20 minute. And you're like, oh, well, I'm miles off that. But I guess where I'm going with this is you don't see the rest of their life as a whole. It may be, yeah, they're, they're spending every moment of every day trying to get their body ready to, to run this 5K and every their, their diet is so strict that they never enjoy eating any other food and and they've had to cancel on seeing their friends three weeks in a row because they've got to get to bed at a certain time so they can run this 5K. So all we see is that end products and the, the 5K that they're running, which then we're like, oh man, that's, that makes me feel bad because that's what I'm trying to do. But we don't see that whole picture of actually what is their life like as a whole and what they had to sacrifice to get to that position. And then you've got to take a step back and think, do I really want to sacrifice my friendships and my social life and eating a, a burger and chips in the evening every so often? And I think, man, not really. I mean, and that's what I mean. It's, it's so hard because you've got to try and find a balance that works for you in terms of pushing yourself to achieve what you want to achieve but also doing it in a way which is sustainable and that allows you to enjoy the time you're spending right now because it's all very well and good having a goal, like running a 5K. And let's say, I mean, this this is a little bit of a, probably not a great example because it's something that's probably achievable to most people in a short period. But let's say your goal is to have a million pounds because you think, oh, I'll be really happy when I get to a million pounds. So you slave away at a job you don't like and you work, you work, you work, you don't see your friends, you do all those things we just discussed, or, or don't do them, you don't see your friends, you don't, uh, you go to bed early every night, or whatever it is. And then you get to that goal, and you think, okay, I'm, I'm here now, it's not really as great as I thought it was going to be. And I didn't enjoy getting here. So at that point, it's like, was it worth it at all? And the answer for most of those things is probably no. So that's one of the things which I'm actively trying to improve in myself is getting that balance right between working hard enough that I feel like I'm on the right track to get to where I want to get to in terms of certain goals, but also taking step a step back enough of the time whereby I'm, I'm enjoying the now and the present. And it's a difficult thing to do kind of, I'd, but I'd rather be on the side of it where I'm spending too much time doing things I like doing in the short term rather than be on the wrong side and and be not enjoy like more than 50 percent of my life because that yeah it, it doesn't seem worth it for me i guess yeah 100 and what i what i'd ask you is like how do you how do you decide your goals in in terms of like the the, the medium and longer term like what is it that you how do you come to your goal because it's all very well saying like you know i want to run a certain distance in a certain time or something like that that's just an example but like what for you is guiding you when you're making that decision? And not just not just for the physical health side of things, but for every goal you have or any goal. Sure. Um, I think I try and keep at the forefront of my mind achieving the goals while, like we just discussed, having balance. Uh, but I think so one of my goals, and I haven't really set any metrics per se for the podcast, but one of them that I have set is I want to get to 22 episodes, which seems like a bit of an arbitrary number, but there's this crazy stat about podcasts out there. And I don't know if I've said it before, but it's something like 95% of podcasts that started don't get past episode three. I think this is episode six. So 95% of podcasts never got this far. And then of that 5% that did, 
95% of those didn't get past episode, I think it's 21. And I'm not 100% sure on those numbers, but it's something like that. So I've set myself a goal of getting to 22, because then at least I can say, you know, I got further than most. So I guess, so it's a bit arbitrary, but to me, that that's not just about, it's not just about getting there. It's about getting there in a way which I can enjoy the process, because if I, for, like for this episode, for example, if I'm dreading recording it and dreading the actual the in-between moments between now and getting to the goal then it's like i don't think it's worth it as a goal so i try and find the enjoyment on the way and if i'm not enjoying most of it it's probably not a good goal to have so i guess I, i'm not sure if that's the kind of answer you you were looking for but i try and set something but really try and focus on the the in-between and enjoying the the process of it yeah i love that i love that you're kind of not not focusing on the end product because i think that's where a lot of people tend to go wrong they say you know i want i want to be x y or z rather than thinking about the kind of person how they would get there i think it's, it's something that a lot of I know, therapies are based on is very much like process driven rather than endpoint driven but i always find i always find it quite difficult because i think many of us have a vision of of what we want to be doing like who we want to be what we want to have to a certain extent at you know 30 40 50 and then kind of working back from there there's that tension between not just going after an end product for the sake of it but also having an aspiration which i kind of dwell on sometimes having an aspiration what would you what do you in the sense that? that i think it's important to have kind of a specific vision in the future, but not be like labeled and dragged down by it. What I'm trying to say is if, if you, when you're working on the process, when you're trying to love the process and, and enjoying the process, you're kind of in the present, the here and now. Yeah. Whereas if you have a vision of where you want to be in the future, it's more important to work out how to get there rather than what that specific getting there will look like. It's that whole thing about the destination and, um the journey right yeah okay i'm with you that yeah that makes complete sense and i think yeah i, I can relate to somewhat because for me ultimately i would like to maybe one day do this full time so i could i spend all my time just speaking to interesting people about interesting things i think that would be an awesome job so i could be saying oh how could i get paid for this how could i find money and that's what a few people have asked me they say oh how are you getting paid for the podcast do you have adverts like no i don't have adverts there's like i mean like 10 people listen to them so what it's just it's just not going to happen but that's not really something that's that's crossed my mind i think it's the wrong way of looking at the whole thing because for me i just i just enjoy doing it and as long as that's happening i i mean i don't really care i'll just keep doing it and it would be ideal if i could actually not have to go elsewhere to to get my livelihood and, and get the bills to pay rent but right now it's it's just i do this after work each day i, I work on it in the evenings i work on it in the mornings and i enjoy it it's not about getting paid or getting all these views which don't get me wrong would be nice it's not like it doesn't cross my mind but that's not the that's not what's at the core of it i just love having i love having these conversations i love the episode i did with harry find out a lot about him and what going to go through his head so i think if you if you really just enjoy what you're doing at a fundamental level then you probably do 
quite well out of it. You know, you you push it to a level where you know who knows who knows how far you can go. But I think enjoyment's at the core of a lot of these things. And like I say, it for me because I enjoy this, I'll do it after work because it's you know it's it's almost downtime to me. It's just uh, it's really really fun. So we'll see how it goes in that sense. But yeah, I think people that focus on what's at the end rather than the journey of getting to the end or the goal, whatever it may be. I think that's the the wrong way of framing it. You should retrain as a therapist, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe I should. Maybe I should. But no, it's uh it's it's really the whole thing's enjoyable and having these conversations is is really great. So I'll keep doing them. I'll keep doing them. So talk to me about failure and goal setting. Um I think what you and Harry spoke about in a previous episode was um, really, really nice to hear. Actually, um, just changing the relationship to failure, I think, is is something that we all could probably benefit from. Um, I think when when I work with this is when I was working with adults, but for people who are seriously like anxious about failing, the thing that I tried to impress most upon them um, is to see the future and opportunities as a challenge rather than a threat. So when people are really like deep into, like a work is a big part of their um, identity, for example, or a goal is a big part of their identity, they tend to expand their identity to include that challenge. And therefore, if you fail at it, it's it's like a core part of you that has, that has failed. Does that make mm. sense? Yeah, so it's like, it's not you failed at achieving your goal. It's like you failed on a personal level. And I can imagine, yeah, taking failure in that way can have some, and I guess you see this with the people you work with, it can have some serious, serious effects on you. I think to me, and yeah, I do see, well, at least the people I speak to, a slight shift in the idea of failure and it being a bad thing because I'm a big proponent of saying failure is a good thing. Certain types of failure. I think, you know, there's things that can happen on a more macro scale, a bigger scale that if failed is, uh, I don't know, it it can be terrible. But in terms of just trying things and setting goals and failing at them, I I actually just think anyone that's got to, uh, that's achieved a, a goal, it's come off the back of loads of failures because, you take away so much more from failure than you do success. And even on the small level I can relate to, there, there's been, even just getting to this episode on the podcast, I've failed so many times with small things. And it was so annoying at the time. I spoke about, I, I don't know if I did actually end up speaking about it on a podcast, but I recorded an episode a couple of weeks back. It was like the third one I did. And I came away afterwards thinking, I smashed that. I'm really happy. You know, especially when I'm speaking by myself, it's it's quite difficult sometimes, and I have to get into a rhythm which you can't really script. It's just it just happens or it doesn't. And I felt I got into this rhythm; it went really, really well. And afterwards, I started listening to it back, and the audio was just terrible. Something had gone wrong with my setup, and I was like, I was so so annoyed. But you know, I I didn't beat myself up too much. I just re-recorded it. And it honestly, it probably wasn't as good as the first time, but now it means that I double check each time, triple check. So that 
won't shouldn't happen again and i'd rather make that mistake when i'm starting out and trying to figure these things out than on this episode for example which is probably going to be slightly longer and it's probably going to be a more interesting uh, episode than the one i did back then i'd rather get this one right so i'm happy in a sense that i already made that error i failed somewhat at what i was trying to do because i can build off that and actually take that going forward so yeah that to me i don't like failing in that tiny moment but as a longer term thing i think it's a great thing to do yeah i think the i don't know if i'm about to misquote someone but it's not a podcast episode without a quote from somewhere (laughs) (laughs) it's like it's only it's only a failure if you don't learn from it um i think i think that might be the welsh rugby team who know a thing or two about failing but yeah I, I think the, the what i was going to add on to that is that that's like a an amazing mindset that you have and i i think failure is is to a certain extent inbuilt or hardwired into us to be like a bad thing and i know that for me personally the, the, the fear of failure is something which is which is huge for me and i still think i'm on that journey of having a mental shift towards it i i I say to my clients all the time see see you know the future is opportunity rather than a threat but it's not necessarily a lesson that i have fully taken on board yeah personally sure and i think it's the same with a lot of things you can know how you're meant to deal with situations but still actually find it difficult to deal with that and, and follow your own advice at times but so it's one thing knowing the relationship you should have it's another thing actually developing kind of getting those repetitions in because at least for me and I'm certainly not perfect I don't it's not in terms of I fail I learn I move on sometimes it's like it really like it does drag on me but I think I've actually just failed so much over the last four years that it, it's kind of each time it just makes it a little bit it improves the way I deal with it a little bit. And that's why And I, I talked on confidence about actually repetitions and building these things up because I, I fail so much. I, I actually just, I welcome it somewhat because I know that I will, while not deal with it perfectly necessarily, I know it's going to be a productive thing going forward. I actually, I wanted to talk to you. I think it's kind of linked to this and it's not something we've got written down, but what do you think about the relationship between actual failure and the perception of other people of your failure because and what i mean by that is it's all about it's all about perception really because if i let's say i did this podcast and i don't know i posted it and i've I've had some nice messages of support but if i had someone say a few people say it's terrible and like laughing and making fun of it which i'm yet to have but Maybe it's just happening behind closed doors. Do you think that that that's a big thing people worry about? Because to me, I think the fear of how things will look and when you, you try something, I think that's a really big thing. It's a real uh, almost block people have from actually trying different things, whether it's a, a creative pursuit that they've wanted to try, but they're nervous about what someone from school will think if they post on their Instagram about their new clothing brand, maybe they'll get laughed at. And I was just interested to hear what your thoughts on that kind of concept of 
not failure, but concept of why people don't kind of pursue what they want to pursue. I think I think you're right. Other people's perception of of what we do is is massive, and everyone. I don't think this is. I think this is. True. I reckon everyone. No matter what they say about you know not caring what other people think, people do care what other people think. That's a, that's a natural yes. part of being human, um, and everyone would like to be be liked and and to have be perceived as doing well. Um, but I think in terms of going back to what we're saying about failure as part of your identity or success as part of your identity, to kind of flip it on its head, you can fail at things and not see yourself as a failure but only if you give yourself the distance from the thing in terms of who you are so if you were like i'm jamie i am a podcast host um that's who i am and that's a core part of who you are and then you know everyone jumps on the bandwagon of hate and says this is life unboxed it's awful and all the rest of it then you'll start to feel like people are attacking you personally and you will feel really shit about it like that that's a very natural thing if you say i'm jamie i you know do x y and z but i also um it, it's a very small change you're not just i am a podcast host but like i do like a podcast or i host a podcast you have like a verb yeah rather than it being like an adjective of you i think that that is massive because i mean to a certain extent it's like a little linguistic somersault but I do think it, it is really helpful in just giving yourself the distance from your failures. I think it's a very valid distinction, actually. And I'd not really given it too much thought before you brought it up now, but it makes a lot of sense. And to me, the question is, how can people... So as Jamie, how can I separate uh, hosting a podcast as part of my identity and my whole kind of existence depends on how well it goes and just being Jamie with podcasting is a thing I do, but if it goes to shit, I will be okay. How can we kind of separate the the goal and the, and the identity? I it's, guess? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And one that I don't necessarily have the answer to, but I would, I go mm. back to um, just, and this is such like an entitled thing to say, I know, and it's going to sound bad listening to it back but just don't you can't take it too seriously really i mean like obviously when you're working a job and you need you got you know ends to meet then you have to take things seriously and the world is like a serious place but you know if you can't laugh at yourself you're missing out on the biggest joke that kind of thing is mm. and that's the only way to get distant from us is just be be okay if it does fail and it's it's probably easier said than done and it is something that it's a privilege but I can't think of anything else to say in terms of getting just Yeah. It is tricky. I think for me, I, again, I just using the podcast uh, as an example we're working from. My definition of what the podcast failing would be is probably, is probably different to how a lot of people would because to me if i don't know if this never got any views and i do 100 200 episodes and just no one ever bother listening while that would be i would in some senses be a failure as a podcast host because i guess at least part of the goal is have people listen i think 
the way I would view it, at least to an extent, probably not the whole way, but is I would have gained a lot from doing it and the process and the journey. So despite the actual, the metric of success that we're going by as number of listeners or, or whatever, just some kind of numerical definition, the amount I take away from it, both on a personal development side and just a, a knowledge side from speaking to people like you, I'd see that as an overall win. So I guess that's not like a, it's not really a recipe because I don't know how transferable that is to different aspects, but I, at least for me, I learn so much from, from the process that I think if, if it were to fail and that, that wouldn't affect me too much. And I'm kind of rambling a bit now, but. Well, I think you're getting at there is that the podcast is clearly something which you do care about and, and you are taking seriously. And that's, I love that. Um, but you're doing it for yourself. I think that's that's one of the key distinctions I would make in, in what you were saying, which I think is really healthy and, and what we should all be be doing is that you've clearly identified something that you like doing or that you value, to use another kind of, bring another word into it. Um, and you are taking an action as a result. And therefore, just by valuing the process itself and doing something because you're enjoying it rather than because it'll make you loads of money and then everyone think you're really cool and rich. Having that, doing it for yourself because of something which you have actively identified and spent time on. And you're kind of, one of the other like concepts that I, I try and think about is, is care. So we can, we can do things carefully and that's also important. And that is sounds in complete opposition to what I said earlier about being in a lighthearted way. But I think the two of them can hold, you can care about something but do it in a lighthearted way and to not take it too seriously. Does that make sense? Because I don't know if it does. I think so. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like the overall point that you're talking about and separating the goal from from the person. But I, I just I just keep thinking, how, how can you actually do it? How can you separate? And maybe there's there's answers out there. I, I don't have them. And I think at least part of it, though, has got to be a comfortability with yourself and knowing yourself. Because, and I've referenced this a couple of times in previous episodes, but I had such a shit time at one point, just mentally, I was all over the place. And I, I was at a point where it was really, really low. And like, like it was, I, and I'm, it's, I can't compare my experience to other people, but at least for me, I was like, man, I'm going through it right now. This is not fun. And so I was kind of almost just stripped apart somewhat. And I, I was, I really had to do a lot of soul searching and that was kind of coincided when I had the therapy. And I think I, I've built up since then and, and it, I hope it doesn't come across as, as arrogant or anything, but I just quite, I quite like the person I am, you know, I've got a good relationship with myself. And I think if people can develop that, then the kind of external factors of of like a, a project of a podcast or I've, I've done other things too but when they fail it's like okay well that was that failed that's kind of shit but i'm still you know i'm still all right i'm i'm a decent person i tried it didn't go well but i'm not gonna let that get to me and i guess then the follow-up question is how do you get to a point where you, you get that relationship with yourself and i think that's something that does take a lot of time uh, and i think something like what you do that cbt and 
I, again, I talked about this in the last podcast, but sometimes I think you've actually got to get to a point where you're so low down and you're struggling so much that your back's up against the wall and the only way out is by pushing forward and finding a way. And I think that's actually quite a positive thing for people to take away that are, that are going through it now. Because a lot of people are like, the world is tough right now. I mean, all across, there's there's obviously levels to it, but if we're just focusing on on England and Britain, because that's where most people are, and you know, everything's fucking expensive. There's a lot of shit going on, so a lot of people are really struggling. But I think that's actually almost the best point to start building something up and start building up because you've got to fight. There's just no other choice. You either fight or you're in a real. You just stay there. So. To me, anyway, I I think that would give me hope knowing that, okay, I've actually got to get to a point where I'm doing so terribly before I can start building up who I am and what I believe in and my values. I kind of went on a bit of detail there, but that's just kind of my take on how I've managed to separate the, the external things I'm trying to do, podcasts, whatever, with how that then would affect me if it, if it were to go wrong. Yeah, and uh, what I love most about um kind of this project is is the last episode that you did where you're talking about men's mental health and and loneliness and i thought you spoke so like powerfully and so from the heart and yeah it was um it was like an emotional listener points and i think what you've done so well is is use that pain that you're going through and turn that vulnerability into like a, a massive strength which I think is is so much easier said than done. Like the phrase like vulnerability is a strength is or or your vulnerability is a strength is one which I think a lot of people might have heard. And it is it is really important. But knowing it kind of cognitively and me saying it to my clients and, and stuff like that is very different from having that experiential knowledge of it. And so fair play basically. <laughs> well, thank you, man. No, I I appreciate that. And maybe we'll get on to talking about a little bit about mental health and men's mental health because i appreciate you i mean there were some really kind words i feel in a very privileged position because when i did speak about it in the last episode about these kind of my own personal experiences it was in some senses it's it's, it's really cool and i feel so lucky that i'm able to i'm able to speak because i got a few messages just from random people that some people that, you know, I'm, I'm close with some people I hadn't heard from in five years. And they were just like, you know, you're doing a good thing. And it made me think, you know, I think a lot of people go through something similar. It may not be exactly the same, but as men, and it's kind of cliche to say at this point, but we have just been kind of trained to just deal with our shit, you know, just, just handle it internally to not speak about how we feel. And I think there's a kind of people that do speak about they feel it can often sometimes be, come across as weak a weakness and almost unmasculine perhaps which i don't know i i think there are i don't know if that's a necessarily good thing to say i think there is a way that i can understand how that would in some senses come across maybe that's not a good thing to say i think i think i know what you mean though like masculinity is still associated with stiff up a lip, just getting on with it. And and I still see this in like, this is kind of why I hate social media is, is I, de I, I delete it for most of the week. And then 
like use it on like the weekends or if I'm having like a, a late shift and I've got time to kill or something. And like, there's still a discourse around battling through things, which I do think is really important. Like resilience is really important and, and going through shit. And like you said earlier, when your back's against the wall, just kind of pushing through and actually having mental fortitude, those are all amazing things. But I do think there's a bit of a toxic kind of, I don't know, glorification of it in some ways or yeah, I don't know that the, the man that, that kind of does it all by himself is, is the, the top dog basically. Whereas I just don't think that's true. I think the top dog is one that shares his meal. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I've heard that before, but you're right. Uh, again, from my, from my experience, I, I don't think necessarily it's good to, to when you're going through it, speaking this is just my experience i don't know if this is right or wrong not you don't have to speak to everyone you see about it because i think that can it can come across the wrong way perhaps but if you're lucky enough to have close friends and i say lucky enough because as i talked about in the last episode there's some sad statistics about the amount of men that say they have close friends but i i think you can be a little bit selective if if you're in that position about who you who you have these conversations with, whether it's with a therapist or with, I don't know, a friend, because I know that if at the time when I was really struggling, I had, I talked to absolutely everyone I knew about how I felt. I'd probably be in a very different spot right now, but I think, you know, I, I had these conversations with people because you're, it's such a vulnerable time. So you can just, I don't know, you could be a bit erratic or, or whatever, but, I had the conversations with people like my therapist and just a few friends and some people probably weren't the right people to speak to. I didn't get, I didn't feel like opening up to them particularly helped me, but I know that opening up did help overall. So it's definitely something I recommend, but I, I think at the very least you've got to kind of not admit because it's not like a bad thing, but communicate the problems and the, the issues you're struggling with because then you can have different opinions on how to to deal with them and address them and it, it goes back to what we talked about at the start with cbt and how for me the therapist i spoke to just helped me reframe the stuff i was concerned about it didn't they didn't take it away they didn't remove it or anything but they they just made me look at it a different way and when i did it, it just i don't know i could start building and i i sorted it out so yeah, it's a tricky one because while I would say, and I mean, you're more more of an expert in this topic than I am with, with your work and such, but I think it's good to open up. But I think there's also, <laughs> there's a perhaps a way to do it and people you should and shouldn't do it to. Uh, doesn't give much help to the people listening who are like, <laughs> okay, well, what is that? What is that middle ground? But that's just, that's just my experience of it. But I think if there's an option between not doing it at all and doing it, but maybe things not going great because you speak to one person who's actually doesn't help you, the the risk is more not speaking about it at all because it will it's got less chance of sorting itself out if you just keep it to yourself and yeah, and at least for me now I'm in a spot where I've had those conversations and I'm fortunate enough to be able to to speak about how that was for me. 
And I think that's quite nice for people to hear because they can relate and they can say, oh, you know, I'm not the only man in the world that is, I don't know, crying when he drinks or something. Because I heard some guy say it. I guess the very nature of this problem is enough, not enough people say how they feel. So when people do feel like crying when they drink or whatever, they haven't seen anyone else do it. So like, oh, what's wrong with me? I'll just keep it to myself. I don't want to admit that I'm weird or anything. So yeah, I kind of went on a bit of a tangent, but it's it's certainly overall a net positive to start speaking about these things. And maybe you've got kind of a better succinct way of, of explaining that than I did. No, I think you put that, that really well. I just think connection is integral to human beings. And when you when you have like a, you know, like a real chat with one of your mates and you get in some pretty heavy stuff, then I think it, it you start to value and, you know, weigh up the friendship more. Not weigh, not weigh up, you value the friendship more in the sense that it's never nice to have that conversation because obviously you want all your mates to be like having no issues, good with, good with themselves and all the rest of it. But like mental health is a fact and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. And I do think that actually having that conversation, you both tend to feel better afterwards. The person who's uh, going through something feels like they've got a bit of a weight off their shoulders. The person who's maybe, maybe not even said anything, maybe just like listen to them or just hug them while they cry, something like that. That person knows that they are doing a good thing. That that, that feels nice quite a lot of the time. And, and you both have that connection, which I think is a very powerful thing. And and listening to your past podcast, I know obviously it's not live and all the rest of it, but hearing you speak about those things um, that you went through um, was like a very powerful experience for me. So. Again, I think I've now gone on a tangent, but no, you're good. You're good, and yeah, like I say, thank you. It's, it's kind of you'd say these nice things about about what I've said, but from my own experience, when I've had, I think actually almost speaking about these things more makes people more comfortable coming to me with similar type of issues because they know that at least on some level I can relate relate to them, and it really is. I think I, I quoted. Simon Sinek, who's a, an author and speaker. It's one of the most rewarding things, like feelings I've ever had. And I can point at a lot of parts of my life where I think, oh, that was awesome. That was great. But actually a friend coming up to me and and feeling comfortable enough to talk about, and especially a male friend, you know, like, I don't know, a big rugby guy or whoever it is who've kind of been trained out of ever speaking about feelings or emotions but when i've had a couple of people like that come up to me and, and just be really frank and and cry it's like don't get me wrong that sucks i hate seeing my friends sad but the fact that they felt comfortable enough to to come to me with that it's awesome so awesome i don't know maybe that's not the right word because don't get me wrong it's not nice but i guess retrospectively i can see how much the friend I've got in mind, how much their life has improved since. I'm not saying it was directly because of me or anything, but I've seen them get better since that period where they were struggling. So I can look back now and think, oh, okay, it ended well. And the fact they came to me at that time when they were struggling, it's uh, it's really, really, I don't even know if there's a word I can think of that accurately sums up the feeling, but it's special. It really is special. And I would 
encourage anyone listening. So there's kind of two sides to this, right? There's the person that's struggling and there's a person that's got a friend or knows someone that's struggling. I think I kind of talked a little bit about this. uh, Was it the previous episode? One of the previous episodes. I think for the struggling person, it's a brave, brave, difficult thing to do to start to have that first conversation. I remember having that first conversation with my parents, right? Damn, it was terrifying. My parents, they're lovely, lovely people. And I didn't want to upset them by saying I was struggling. So that was one element of it. But I also found it, I knew once I'd started speaking about it, there's no putting the cat in the bag. So it takes, it's a brave person to actually be the someone that comes forth with these issues. And if you've done that, like big, big props to you, because it's not easy. And, you know, I'm, you may have just done it. You may be thinking about doing it, but you know, if you're listening and that you can kind of see yourself in that position, so you're doing great. The other side of it is being that friend or someone that maybe you can think of someone you know that you think is going through it. I think reaching out is is something that's so easy to do. Just, and I, again, relating to when I was this way, when people just drop me a message and like, hey, Jamie, how, how are things going? Just something that basic. It can mean so much when you're really, really down there in the pits struggling because you kind of, I don't know, when I was doing the classic man thing of internalizing everything and trying not to communicate how I was feeling, it would come out from time to time. Like I say, I'd, I'd hit the odd lamppost if it was looking at me the wrong way. I would cry quite a lot. So there's, the signs were, were kind of there. But if someone, when someone messaged me saying, you know, how how's things, it just, that's such a small, easy thing to do. And it meant a lot being on the other side of that. So I would really, even you're probably thinking right now for anyone that's listening to this, you've got that one friend who you haven't spoken to in a little while, and maybe they've kind of fallen off the grid a bit. Just, just drop a message. It, it could mean the world to them. It might just be like, Oh, Hey mate, how are you doing? And they could be like, Oh good. I've just been busy. Fine. But it could be, Hey mate, how are you doing? I haven't heard from you in a while. That person could be going through it and you could have given that, you could have just peeked open that door a little bit for them to actually open it a bit more and say, you know, man, it's actually been kind of shit. I've been really struggling. My work has been terrible. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not exercising. And you could be that person that starts that conversation, which can then transform someone's life. So I just, if there's anyone you're thinking of or got in mind, I would just, yeah, just, just drop a message. It can be can be a life-changing thing and Rob I'll throw it back to you because you shared something on actually on LinkedIn a video that Norwich Football Club did my most kind of hard-hitting about because I, I watched it at work and I was a bit like that's pretty heavy because you think you know where it's going for most of it and then I won't I won't spoil it um but it it flips your expectations in a very powerful way um and I'll give a little trigger warning. It does it does involve suicide, um, as unfortunately many of these conversations do. Um, but just in terms of the, the conversation is definitely improving. We are moving to a place where things like this are like this was it was a massive video on a lot of people's news feeds. You, you might have seen it, um, and things like so Roman Kemp today documentary on young people's mental health and suicide following a loss 
that he suffered um, a few years ago now, but it's clearly something that drives him. And that, that kind of exposure is really important and definitely can't be underestimated. And actually, they do film at the mines, so the company I work for, they film at our offices, so a little shout out there. But there is improvement. There's still a long way to go, I think, listening to your episode last week, the top of it with the, the stats and the facts about specifically men's mental health and you and I are both men so I don't want to comment too much on something that I don't know loads about in terms of women's mental health yeah um from an experience point of view but from a personal point of view rather not rather than as a professional men's mental health has a long way to go I would say yeah it does it does and I think while it's improving the initial steps are pretty it's pretty easy. I, I think certainly structurally in society, there can be a lot done to to help with this. I mean, there's crazy statistics and I don't have any to hand, but about the relative suicide rates of male to female. And obviously there's there's a lot of issues specifically that women face and this isn't the podcast where I'll, I'll speak about those or I'd quite like to get an expert on that to, to discuss that with. But specifically for things like that, there's a big disparity between men and female suicide rates and there's a long, long way to go. I don't think there's there's nearly enough structure in place to help men. I don't think there's actually that many good role models out there these days. I think there's a very diluted pool of people you see on TikTok and Instagram whereby it's uh, you get your kind of... And I've been learning these, these two terms recently, Rob. I'm not sure the ones you're familiar with of like blue pill and there's red pill and there's black pill you heard these <laughs> never heard of it <laughs> yeah i hadn't i hadn't before recently but it's uh at least my understanding and my understanding is that it, it's kind of three categories of men and how uh, largely how they view the world but especially kind of dynamic with women and each of these groups have their own kind of i don't know they have their own celebrities or, or people that they follow that fit with that ideology. So you get people like, like Andrew Tate, who I think would be, Oh God, he would be maybe red pill. I, I, I shouldn't really brought it up cause I don't know enough about it. But what I'm trying to say is I think in terms of role models, there's, it's such a diluted pool of, you've got to sift through a lot to try and actually find someone that's good. And then it's like, Oh, I don't even know if that is a good role model. So it's really tricky. And, I think the the really the best thing you can do is just you, on a, a simple level of what you can do yourself, the listener, is just make sure you, you reach out to your friends and have keep conversations. You were saying, Rob, about connections and how important that is. A lot of people that are struggling with mental health completely withdraw from connections, certainly what I did. And I think that's probably why it meant so much when someone then reached out to me because it's like, oh, well, I've kind of pushed you away by by being this position I'm in, but you still reached out to me and that always meant a lot. So I think this might be a good way to end it, but certainly what I would say, if you're a guy that's struggling, A, things will get better, so keep fighting. There's ways that you can personally probably start improving aspects of your life and I hope to do episode after episode talking about, at least from my experience, what could help. And for those of you that are, listening and you see someone or you think someone could be struggling maybe they haven't spoken to you in a while just just reach out to them it, it's such a simple thing but it really could be a a huge huge 
a huge thing for that other person. Um, I don't know if you've got any closing thoughts on that, Rob. Couldn't agree more. Loved every word of it. Um, yeah, if you are enough. I think that's what I'd say to to most people. Nice. I think that's a good way to end it. So, Rob, thank you. This has been a great conversation. I really appreciate you coming on, and I think yeah, it's uh, it's conversation like this needs to be had more. So, thank you. I really appreciate. No, it. thank you for having me. It's been really fun. Nice one, man. Thank you.